Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 14. And uh, that's where we're going to be launching from this morning. Acts chapter 14. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, that you are going to cause us as a people to rise, Lord God. And Father, I believe through the power of your Holy Spirit, you're going to do some amazing things in our midst. But Father, this morning we need you to take this word and to unveil it in our spirits, Father God, so that it may change who we are, Father God. I pray, Father, that there would be a power and a weight behind this word through the anointing of the Spirit of God. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Whenever I was growing up, one of the things I did as a child was I was very curious. I was always curious about everything. I was a child that asked all the questions. Well, why, 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 why? One of the things I loved to do was I liked to see what was in things. I loved to see how things worked. Now, I got in a lot of trouble because there was a lot of things I seen how they worked and then they never worked again. So this morning... I believe that God has led us to this place to kind of look at how miracles work. To kind of open it up and look inside and see what was happening around a miracle. So this morning, we're going to look into the miracle uh, at Lystra, the crippled man who was healed. And so this is Acts chapter 14. And let's just begin reading in verse number 1 because it kind of sets up the miracle. It says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they strayed, or, or they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitudes of the city were divided. Part sided with the Jews and part sided with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Wow. Well, this morning I kind of want to start this message out by just saying that there is a very important reason why we need divine healing in the church of Jesus Christ today. We need divine healing. Folks, if you had a hundred million dollars and you are in all kinds of pain, I will tell you this, you'll give your last dollar to have good health. You can't be effective in the kingdom of God whenever you're sick. If I'm well, I, 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 can, I can be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. If I'm sick, it's hard to do anything but take care of yourself. So this morning we're going to look at the possibility of miracles. Why it's God's will for you and I to be healed. And how that you and I can lay claim to the healing that God wants to bring to our bodies, to our lives. So the title of this message this morning is The the Lystra Crippled Healed. So, are miracles even possible? I mean, are they? 
See, there's a lot of people that laugh at the idea of even the possibility of miracles. They argue that miracles are literally a violation of scientific law. And therefore, they are unacceptable to modern man because we're ruled by science. So this is what Louis Burkhoff says. He says, whenever a miracle is performed, the laws of nature aren't violated, but superseded. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> By a force that is superior to the powers of nature. Woo, baby. That, that right there will preach. You see, belief in miracles is easy if you believe that God exists and that he created the universe. Folks, if you believe that there is a God that intervenes in the history of man, like the flood of Noah and the parting of the Red Sea and the virgin birth and Peter walking on the water and, you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the boys' lunch and all of these other biblical miracles. You see, if you believe that God has intervened already and done all of that stuff, which I'll tell you I believe it, you see, we would not only believe that miracles are possible, but we would come to a place where we begin to expect miracles. So, are they possible? Yes, amen. They are possible. First thing we got to do is figure out whether or not divine miracles, divine healing is the will of God. Is it His will? Because, see, I don't want to ask Him anything that's not His will. I don't want to go off on any kind of tangent here. I just want to make sure that whenever I'm saying, God, I need you to heal somebody, I want it to be His will. Amen? Some people have been wrongly taught that it's not God's will to be healed. We have whole denominations that believe that is something that is completely, totally passed away. Now, I do believe this. I believe there are hindrances to God healing us. Yes. But I do believe that it is always God's desire because God is a good God. It is always His desire to heal us. You see, I'm not even that good of a dad, but I never wanted my kids to be sick. Come on. I mean, they get sick with the stomach flu and they're puking all over, and I just would think, oh, man, I hope you have this for another year or two. Hey, there were times whenever my kids were sick that I would have gladly taken it upon myself if they could have been healthy. And I have this amazing Heavenly Father that is full of love and full of compassion and full of mercy. And He looks down at my body. And there is no way that I'm ever going to come to the belief that He wants me to be sick. Come on now. So... It is His will to heal us, and this is the reasons why I believe this. For one thing, it was the original pattern. You see, the original pattern for the human race in the Garden of Eden was there was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no death. That is God's highest will for humanity. God would not have healed people in the Old Testament and the New Testament if it wasn't His will. You see... In the Old Testament, people were healed one after the other. In the New Testament, people were healed one after the other. So why in the world would he have given us all of these stories about healing if he wasn't willing to heal us now? Third reason why it is his will is because Jesus atoned for all of mankind. 
He not only atoned for our sins, the sins of our soul, but also for our sicknesses, the diseases in our body. I can give you scriptural proof to back that up. This morning I'm not going to take the time to do it. You see, the sickness is said to be a work of the devil. I believe that. I'm going to tell you something. You come up to me and tell me you're sick. I won't, I won't ever attribute that to God. I'm going to say, well, you know, I think that's something God delivered to your body. Never do that. I'm going to tell you, there's only one person disgusting enough to bring sickness and disease to humanity. And that is Satan himself. So it is a work of the devil. And that proves that God's will is to get rid of it in his children's lives. Because God doesn't want anything the devil has going on to be working in our lives. Amen. Another reason is, every time that someone came to Jesus Christ and asked to be healed, he did it. Not one time did he ever go, "Mm, sorry, God's just not in the cards for you, bud. I mean, this is what Jesus said over and over. Read it. He said, I will. I will. I will. You see, if it weren't the will of God for us to be healed, he would have never allowed his son to make that stop at the whipping post. Never would he have allowed that. Because you see, that stop, that, that, that place that Jesus came to along that road to finally coming to the place on Golgotha's hill to be crucified, Jesus, every stop he made was the will of the Father. And the will of the Father for him to step and take that lashing upon his back, that, that testifies to me that he was beaten for my healing. For heaven's sake, Jesus made a covenant to heal. He promised healing. He demonstrated healing. He rebuked men for not having faith enough to be healed. He's continued to heal in every age. And He never would have made healing a part of our spiritual, uh, the spiritual equipment of the church if it was not His will. So let's look into this miracle a little bit. Let's kind of open it up and look into it. And I promise you, Even though I'm looking into it, it'll still work after I get through with it. The Apostle Paul preached the Word of God. He preached the power of God. You see, whenever Paul went to Lystra, he wasn't talking about politics, whether or not Caesar was doing a good job or not. He wasn't talking about the last Star Wars movie. He wasn't talking about his favorite sports team. Paul was talking about the Word of God. Folks, that's a challenge to every person in this room. We should be talking more about Jesus than we do. I'm just going to tell you something, man. Washington, D.C. could be wiped off the map for as far as I'm concerned. I'm not being mean here. I'm just telling you that all that junk that's going on up there has no bearing on the kingdom of God. This kingdom is on solid foundation. And nobody's going to have the guts to impeach my God. So Paul was talking about the Word. He was talking about the Word. And let me just tell you something. Whenever you and I as individuals, as God's choice servants, whenever we talk about the Word of God, we invade the devil's airspace whenever we talk about Jesus. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and it's active. It's powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's Hebrews 4.12. 
God's word is alive. That word alive comes from the the word zoe, which means moving, active. It has energy behind it. It is full of power and it achieves results. That's what God's word does. Whenever God's word goes out, it achieves what it is it's supposed to do. I heard a story about a man who was going through the airport in Rome, Italy. He's carrying a really large package. And the customs officer asked him what it was in that package. And he very nonchalantly declared, dynamite. The officers jumped on him. They seized the package. They seized him. He's in handcuffs. He's taken back to the customs headquarters. And whenever the package was open, it was found to contain what? Bibles. They asked him, said, where's the dynamite? And the, Roman, the man quoted Romans 1.16. This gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First the Jew and then the Gentiles. This gospel is the power. Dunamis. Where we get our word dynamite from. So he wasn't fudging. It's dynamite in that package. You see, the, 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 the Bible is this spiritual dynamite. The Word of God has totally obliterated my old man. He got blew up. I don't act like I used to act. Mostly. Blows up the old nature. Blows in the new nature. And folks, I'll tell you, if you and I would just dare to believe the Bible, it'll transform us, it'll save us, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. So the Apostle Paul is preaching the Word. I'm going to tell you something. You give the Apostle Paul just a moment and a couple of people in the crowd, he'll preach the Word. Smith Wigglesworth was known to go out in the middle of a park and he would set down a chair and he would stand on top of that chair and just stare up in space. And pretty soon there'd be a whole bunch of people standing around him, looking at him and said, what is he staring at? What in the world is going on here? Whenever he had a little crowd, he would stop and preach the Gospel. Paul preached the gospel. The Bible tells us in verse number 9 that this man who was lame from his mother's womb listened to Paul as he was speaking. So here's this guy. He's hearing the word of God. He's hearing it. It's being preached. The word, the word, the word, the dunamis power of the word of God power. There's power in the Word of God. It doesn't make any difference what our ideas are, what our our attitudes are, what our commitments are. It is the Word that is effective. Amen? I hedged around this one, but it doesn't even really make any difference what your opinions are. It's the Word that's important. So all of a sudden, Paul is preaching the Word, and here this guy is listening. And this is what it also says in verse number 9. It says, Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. So all of a sudden, this word is coming from Paul's mouth. Remember, this is kind of the anatomy of a miracle. This is what's happening. We're looking into it so as we can see what's happening. Paul is preaching the word, the word, the word, the word. By the way, you don't have to have a preacher to get a hold of the word of God. Come on now. So he's hearing the word. And all of a sudden, he's listening to this word. And Paul realizes that he has faith to be healed. The word's coming into him, and it's going, dunamis, blowing out everything that he thought about his life. I'll be like this till I die. Blew that idea out of the way. 
Born like this, crippled like this, there's no way you'll ever stand up and walk on those two feet. <laughs> Blew it away. I love to make those noises, by the way. I'm just telling you, I miss children's ministry so much. So all of a sudden, these things are just being exploded one after the other as the word comes into his life. And he says, it says that Paul saw that this guy has faith to be healed. Faith is defined as an intellectual, moral, and spiritual power that brings a person into vital and conscious union with God. That's what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified Version says it like this, Faith perceiving as, as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So this guy's got faith. All of a sudden, man, the dunamis power, the word that Paul's preaching. And he's sitting there. I don't know. Maybe he's standing there. Well, no, he's not standing there, obviously. His miracle hasn't taken place yet. So he's there. He's there listening to this word. And all of a sudden, faith begins to rise on the inside of him. And the apostle Paul, through the spirit of God, realizes it. There's benefits to having faith, folks. There is benefits to having faith. A few years ago, my wife and I realized that whenever we went to bed at night, that uh, we met in the middle. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Because your mattress has a hole in it. And you just can't stay where you're at. You just... So we went to the mattress store and we bought us a mattress. And I tell you, it's almost every time I go to bed, I go, oh, I love this mattress. It's just... So there's benefits to having a good mattress so you don't wake up with rigor mortis in your body. I will testify. There is great benefits to having faith. Let me give you one. God's divine vision sees past our trials. That's a benefit, folks. Because I'm going to tell you, whenever you're in the middle of a bunch of muck, it is really, really hard to see past the muck. Y'all know what I'm saying? You know, whenever your life is pretty much falling apart, it's just so difficult to see past that. But whenever we have faith, we know, man, I'm telling you, even if it doesn't all work out here on this earth, I'm going to be in heaven one of these days, standing before my God, and I will have it made then. Y'all there? That's what faith does. But faith, even those trials that we go through on this earth, I look past them in a financial situation. I look past them. I think every day, every day that I awake, I think what it's going to be like whenever my wife rejoins me in ministry. Whenever she takes her place in this sanctuary, I think about what it's going to be like whenever I come into this place and say, guess what? God gave us a miracle. You know, I just, I think of what it's going to be like to have my right arm back in ministry because that's what she was for so many years. I look at that and I, I think, man, uh, faith gives you God's divine perspective to see past the trials that you're in. Faith unlocks the doors of power that God has. God is, God is, He's this enormously powerful being that we can't even comprehend how much power he has. But God's power is activated by faith. Have any of you all ever tried to take an Alka-Seltzer without water? 
I've heard of people doing that whenever they went to the doctor just so they could get rabies shots. But you know what activates an Alka-Seltzer, right? You know, y'all remember this? Well, some of you that are older remember this. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. There you go. See, that's, that's what happens. You see, faith is that, that, that ingredient that you and I have to have because that's what activates the power of Almighty God. As is your faith, so be it unto you. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Shoot, if we have faith, you realize what we can do with faith? We can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Come on. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, It is our victory over the world. There's benefits to having faith. I just wonder how many of you all like to be losers. No. So why don't we all get faith and know that there is nothing that this world can throw at us that we don't have the victory over already? Because it says faith is our victory over the world. So how do you and I get faith? Because, man, if it's so good and it's done all these wonderful things, then I'm saying, how do we get faith? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God inspires faith, which opens the doors for you and I to have miracles. Folks, it's the word. 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 You want a miracle, man. You need to get a hold of the word because the word is this dunamis power that gets inside of you and said, man, it don't make any difference how sick you are, what the doctors have told to you. The word of God says this. It's the word. It's the word. Faith comes by the word. This is what God said. This is what God said. So how do we get faith? By hearing the word of God. So this man had faith. He's sitting out there listening to this word being preached. And all of a sudden, bingo, faith begins to arise in him. He had faith. In fact, the apostle Paul realized that he had enough faith to be healed. I wonder what Paul was preaching on. I wonder if Paul was preaching about Christ's willingness to heal us. I'm just curious. Maybe he was telling how Jesus healed all these other people that he had encountered in his life. Matthew 4.23, listen to this. Healing every disease and sickness among the people. And you know what it says? How many people were there? It wasn't three or four. The Bible says it was a multitude. A multitude of people. And he healed every disease, every sickness among them. In Matthew 9, 35, it says, healing every disease and sickness. In Matthew 12, 15, it says, he healed all who were sick. In Matthew 14, 14, it says, he healed all their sick. In Matthew 14, 34 and 36, it says, the people brought all their sick to him and all were healed. Power was coming from him and they healed them all. That's Luke 6, 17. So here this man has faith. He has faith. And he's maybe listening to all of these times that Jesus healed and Jesus healed and Jesus healed and Jesus healed. Maybe he was listening to the Apostle Paul tell about the time whenever Jesus was scourged with a cat of nine tails to be healed. 
Maybe he was telling him, and with his stripes, we are healed. See, it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever that the Heavenly Father, the Father who loved His Son, would allow His Son to be brutalized with a cat of nine tails like He was if He didn't intend to heal us all. Come on. I mean, folks, we don't understand how bad it was on the whipping post. A few years ago, a movie came out. It was called The The Passion of Christ, and it gave a real gory representation of how Jesus was so brutalized on the whipping post, but I'm just going to be very, very careful, but very honest with you. I don't think they got it right. I think it was much more intense. I believe it was, it was, it was so much more heinous than what you and I can understand. They took a cat of nine tails, a a hand with nine shreds of, of probably leather coming off of it. And each one of those leather shreds probably had a piece of metal, a piece of bone, a piece of pottery woven into it somewhere or another as to inflict more pain and more suffering on the victim that was being whipped. And so you have to understand, whenever the Roman soldier took Jesus' back and he laid that cat of nine tails to it, it wasn't the whipping motion that really did the damage, you see. It was the motion whenever that soldier hit his back at that perfect moment because he was a trained, he was a trained soldier to make the absolute most out of every scourging that he possibly could. The moment that that cat of nine tails sunk into his back, those shreds of leather and leather and those pieces of glass and pieces of pottery and pieces of metal as they stuck into Jesus' back. You see, the, the Roman soldier would jerk on it like that and pull it across his back so as that every time one of those nine tails hit his back, it also opened his back. And he lashed him over and over and over. So maybe it was, it was that that the Apostle Paul was talking about. But you see, this lashing that Jesus took on the whipping post, it was prophesied some 750 years prior to Jesus ever making his way to that whipping post. You see, Jesus not only died for our sins, but he was scourged for our diseases. Come on, church, we can get excited about that. I don't know. Maybe Paul just started quoting some scriptures about healing. In Exodus 15, 26, it says, I am the Lord that heals you, Jehovah Rapha. That's where that comes from. Exodus 23, 25, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from your, from the midst of you. In Deuteronomy 7, 15, it says, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you heard about upon, upon you, but will lay them upon all that hate you. In Psalm 41, 3, the Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from the bed of illness. In Psalm 103.3 it says, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. In Psalm 107.20 he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. In Proverbs 4.22 and 20 and 22 it says, my son attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, for they are the life that those that find them and health to their flesh. Mark 16.17 and 18 says, 
And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Luke 5, 17. And the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. James 5, 15 and 16. If any of you, if is any sick among you, let the, let them call for the elders of the church. The prayer of faith will, will save the sick. In 3 John, uh, uh, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And folks, I could have gone on and on because there's a lot of places in the Bible where it talks about healing. So maybe this is what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was quoting the scriptures. But ultimately, you see, there had to come a point A point literally of contact for faith. Because a lot of times faith requires us to do something. That's why I think it's so important that whenever we give an altar call for healing, prayer, you come to this altar. You see, that's that's it. Getting up out of your seat. I can be prayed for right where I am. Okay. That's between you and God. I just think there's something so powerful about us coming out of our chairs and saying, listen, I'm coming to the front. I'm going to let somebody pray with me. I'm going to believe you, God. I'm going to believe you, God. My opinion, I value it very highly, but it's my opinion. There had to come a point where this guy had something to do. This, this faith. He's rising on the inside. He's hearing the word. He's hearing the word. He's hearing Paul preach, man. And all of a sudden, the Paul, Paul, via the Holy Spirit, realizes that this guy has faith to be healed. And so the apostle Paul, he says this with a loud voice. He says, stand up on your feet. I don't know what the Lord may speak to you. I can remember one time praying specifically over my finances and the Lord said, uh, write a check for everything you have in the bank and put it in the offering. And I was, okay, that's probably not the best thing to be doing. But how many of y'all know how the story ended? God provided miraculously. I know a man who uh, owns a company, he... uh, um, was struggling financially right towards the end of the season that he would be working in. And he wanted to keep his crew on and pay them through the winter. And he just knew that, you know, he's just barely going to have enough money to make it through the winter. And he came to me and he said, you know, I don't know what to do. Let's pray about it. So we prayed about it. He came back to me and he said, listen, he said, I think God wants me to give all of my cash reserves away. And it was a sizable amount. I mean, way more than what I was familiar with. But he wrote a check, and he literally gave all of his cash reserves away. Three days later, God dropped a job in his, in his life that was over several million dollars worth of, of work through the winter he could do. Are you all seeing what I'm saying? There has to come a place where there is a point of contact for our faith. He says, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man goes, I've never walked before. I don't think I can. My legs are all withered. I'd like to stand up, but no. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Because we're 
we're opening up this miracle and we're looking into this miracle and and we're believing what this word is saying to us this morning because this is what I would venture to say about this whole group. As diverse as we are, I'm thinking that we probably all could use a miracle in our lives of one thing or another. I need a miracle. That's no joke. My wife and I told her before the sermon this morning, I said, I'm going to preach this sermon this morning for me and you. I hope there's somebody else that needs this, but this is for me and Renee. We need to hear this. There has to come a moment where there, your faith meets this point to where you go, yep, the Word of God is that powerful. It can do it. So it not only needs a point of contact, but it has to have a moment of beginning where that miracle finds its home and it begins to birth. I believe that faith has to be combined with action in order for it to release the miracle working power of God. Our action. This is whenever God's power is appropriated to you and I. It's whenever we act on what we've heard. Yes, this is the word of God. And sometimes that may be looking right into a doctor's eye who has all of this education and they're saying something to you and you say, nope, that ain't the way it's going to be. Jesus is going to have his way in this because I am healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. And they go, oh, well, we don't believe in miracles because we've got science. And you can just tell them I have something that supersedes science. (laughs) Hey, listen, I've been there. I had a deacon in Montana that literally, man, he had something bad wrong with him because this is a guy that was tough as shoe leather. Are you on the, Tough as boot leather, let's put it this way. And, I mean, he was literally stricken with this thing, put him in bed, writhing in pain, something in his abdomen. But he was bent that Jesus Christ would heal him. Are you all listening to this? I mean, he was bent, running a huge fever, like 105. And, I mean, it was scary. He told me, he said, Pastor, I'm not going to the doctor. Jesus is going to heal me or I'm going to die, one or the other, because I believe his word is true. And there came a moment about four days into this that I'm telling you, I was just about ready to go rope him and take him to the doctor. And he said, don't you do it. He said, Jesus Christ is going to be my healer. And in the middle of the night, something snapped inside his body. He got up the next morning, went out and worked cattle. True story. I'm not suggesting that anybody in this room do. I am just suggesting that, that we trust the Lord. Y'all? Y'all see what I'm saying? I mean, it's, 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 it's got it's gotta, this action inside of, our, inside of our lives. Well, I'm this, I'm that. Well, I'm just going to go take four or five pills and it'll cure it. We've got to come to a place where I believe the Word of God is big enough for my ailment. It'll take care of it. It'll heal it. I'm telling you, we could be medication free if we would just believe the Word of God. Boy, that was weak. I believe we could be medication free if we would just believe the word of God. He has he has prepared a way for you and I to walk in divine health. Has to be some convergence between the natural and the supernatural to release this amazing power of God so that his power is appropriated in that situation. A point of contact is something that you do that releases your faith in God to claim the promises that God has given us. That point of contact focuses our attention on God. Comes that moment where we come to a place 
where we believe we are receiving. Come on. It's mine. So you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, there's some biblical points of contact. The woman with the issue of blood, she believed for this miracle would occur if she just touched the hem of Jesus' robe. This is centurion that talked to Jesus about his sick servant. He said, hey, if you just speak the word only, my servant will be healed. There were four New Testament believers. It was, uh, it was in their hands that they laid the sick in the middle of Jesus' podium. They cut a hole in the roof. They just believed they got him in front of Jesus, man, that their buddy would be healed. And sure enough, he rolled up his bed and left that house. Contact. The point when they believed the miracle would occur. There were two guys who went fishing. One fisherman was very experienced. The other one wasn't. Every time the experienced fisherman caught a big fish, he put it in the cooler. Whenever the inexperienced fisherman caught a big fish, he threw it back. Finally, the experienced fisherman asked, Hey, why do you keep throwing back all the big fish you catch? The inexperienced fisherman replied, I only have a small frying pan. You see, sometimes we're just like that fisherman. We throw back all the big plans and the big dreams and the big miracles that God wants us for because our faith is too small. You know? Can we really believe for miracles at this altar? Can we really believe that God in a moment, I mean a moment, not a 12-step program, but a moment He can set somebody free from a drug addiction? Can we believe that? Can we believe that this community is ours for the taking through the power of the Holy Spirit? Can we believe it? Or is it that we just have... Man, I tell you, the words of Ron McManus to those of you who were in Acts 2 yesterday, you, you understand this. Dream big. Dream big. You got something that's big in your life? Believe God to overcome it with His power. His Word says He'll do it. I'm just thinking, that fisherman needed to get a, better, a bigger frying pan. You know what I'm saying? I'm just believing that we need to get bigger faith. So the Apostle Paul, Jared, if you'll come and help me close this this morning. The Apostle Paul, he he perceived this moment had come. So he's preaching. And I gave you some examples of perhaps what he was preaching. But he's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching. And all of a sudden he looks out and through the, through the, through the, the word that the Holy Spirit gave to him, he realized that this man had faith to believe. I was on the platform one time and uh, uh, altar service was going on and I was just kind of the helper and, and the man that I was working with just happened to look out and he goes, that guy right there, right there, right there, God just healed him. I looked out there and I go, where? I don't see anybody that God just healed because the whole altar area was just completely full. He says, right there, right there. He's bald. Go get him. I went off the platform and I'm pointing because there's four or five bald people right there. And he, he, I put my finger over the top of his him. So I, I got him, but the guy was standing really awkward. He had his hands on his ears 
there was music being played in the background. Whenever we got him on the stage, we realized that whenever he was one year old, he went completely deaf and had been deaf ever since. In the course of the service, he had somebody signing to him. And God healed him. God healed him. The guy could hear. He was holding his ears because the music was so loud. Because his ears were like baby ears. Brand new. And not only did God heal him, but he also gave him the gift to understand and speak English. Because he just started talking to us. And I got to thinking, man, if he went deaf whenever he was a year old, he must have had a vast vocabulary. Or this is another miracle. Paul, he says, hey, I perceive, I perceive that that moment has arrived. That man is ready to be healed. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Stand to your feet is what Paul said. Stand to your feet. You see, church, this morning, you and I have got to be a people who gives God the opportunity. Because sometimes I think we just shut the door to miracles. We just go, no, this is just not the way it's going to happen here. I'm just, I'm just going to go through this. I'm going to call the bank. They'll loan me the money. I'm just going to do this and I'll get through. We've got to give God the opportunity for miracles. I look back at my own life and I see so many opportunities that I've given God and He's come through and He's come through. I've prayed over cars that have blown gaskets out and waters all over the pavement and I know I can't drive them anymore. I'm going to ruin them. But yet we laid hands on the vehicle and drove it another 60 miles and you can't do that to an automobile. God is, God's just waiting on us. He said, man, I'm a miracle working God. I'll work miracles for you. We've got to believe that he will do something for us if we will step out. But I believe with all of my heart this morning that you must step out. You must put the miracle that you desire into the realm of time. Nail it down. Believe your moment of fulfillment has arrived. The Bible says that there is a time for everything under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. It doesn't really say this, but I believe this. A time for your miracle to occur. And this morning, this is kind of where I'm at. I think right now would be a good time for my miracle to occur. Come on, church. I think right now would be a good time for your miracle to occur. So this morning, I came all the way through these notes to get to this place. Do you need God to do something extraordinary for you? Yes, I do. I want God to shake my world. I want Him to shake my world. Because there's no getting over MS. There's no drug. There's no surgery. There's no hospital that can take you there. But I got a God that is able to. 
with one touch of his hand to bring my wife back from all that she has lost to a place of total restoration. And I will tell you, yes, amen. I need God to do something extraordinary for me today. I wonder how many in this room would stand as I am standing right now. Because you see, I believe that's a point of contact. I'm standing right now for my miracle. I want my miracle to happen today. Today. I want my wife to fix me lunch whenever I get home. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that are standing to your feet right now, you're saying to the devil who has brought about all kinds of calamity in your life through situations that none of us in this room probably know except for you. But you're saying to him, I have a God that is bigger than anything you can throw at me. I have a God that is bigger than anything that you can bring into my health, into my finances, into my family. I have a God that works miracles. And my God is positioned right at the very edge of His seat on that throne. You see, He's moved up because He's getting excited about some people that are in Franklin, North Carolina that are right now exerting pressure on His Word to be performed in their lives. God's getting excited right now. He's looking at us and He's going, Man, that's my men, that's my women right there standing up for me. So this morning... Whatever it is in your life that you're saying, I need you, God, to do something extraordinary in my life. There's going to be a moment here in just a minute or two where you need to claim your miracle. The olden days, they used to claim a plot of ground or a mine claim by putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is mine right here. I believe that we need to do that in the spiritual realm. We need to claim it. This is mine. Somebody comes along, looks at that stake. They go, hey, that's Watson's. He put that there. That's his. That's his. That's his. In the spiritual realm, I want every demon in hell. I want Satan himself to be able to look and know that I have claimed my miracle. It is mine in Jesus' name. So this morning, needing God to do something extraordinary in your life claim your miracle whatever it is that you need a miracle of new life perhaps there's someone in here that you're not right with God you can get right here in the next few minutes maybe it's healing maybe it's provision maybe it's a miracle in your family maybe it's inner healing maybe it's your mind whatever it is right now believe Jesus Christ for it right now believe him for it so this morning If all of these things are going on in your life and you're standing to your feet, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and I'm going to ask you to claim it. Right now, claim it. This is mine in Christ Jesus' name. This is mine. It is my healing. Believe for it right now. The Bible says in Matthew 17, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So right now, as you are at this altar, know that it is your faith that has brought you here. It is the Word of God that has churned that faith up in you. And this morning, 
claim your miracle. Stake it out. It's mine in Jesus' name. The Word of God promises it to me. And my God is a compassionate God, a good God, a loving God. And He has not determined one day of my life to be walking in sickness, to be walking in defeat, to be walking in poverty. In Jesus' name, this is mine. Come on, church. Come on, church. Stake your claim. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't think any of us ought to be staking our claim real quietly. I think we need to tell the devil where that stake is going down. I think we need to tell the enemies of our soul where that stake is going down. This one here is mine in Jesus' name. My wife will rise. My wife will be whole. Because Jesus Christ has said it to me. Hallelujah. 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 I perceive that that moment has arrived hallelujah come on church hallelujah i believe that moment has arrived in jesus name miracles hallelujah hallelujah miracles 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 my god my god my god my god my god he leaped and he walked hallelujah Hallelujah. He leaped and he walked. Hallelujah. Confess it right now. Confess it. It's yours. I am whole. My body has been healed. My children are on their way home in Jesus' name. My wayward grandchildren are on their way home. Their journey has started this very moment in Jesus' name. My marriage is going to be whole. It is going to be filled with happiness. It is going to be filled with triumph. My marriage is right in the name of Jesus. It starts today. It starts today. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. And he leaped and he walked. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul perceived and with a loud voice he said, Stand up straight on your feet. Hallelujah. Oh my God, my God, my God. We glorify your name. Glorify your name. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is anointing in this room, church. Jesus is in this room. Hallelujah. Oh, There's anointing in this room, church. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, receive Him this morning, church. Receive Him. Open your heart right now, right now to Him. He's, he's in this place. Oh, Jesus, Lord. 